I remember they said like, thank you so much. I get emotional talking about it. Welcome to Millennials Looking for Mentors. I'm Karin Eliardi. And I'm Elise Notariani. And thank you to Jefferson Health, New Jersey for sponsoring this episode. And speaking of Jefferson Health, today we are talking with Danielle Trotter. She is an advanced practice provider at Jefferson. Among, among many other things. She does many, a lot. Many, many that we don't understand completely. So yeah, we, we actually- have to have it explained to us. Just yeah, but um, Elise kind of had some big news over the weekend. I got engaged. Yay. It's crazy. I didn't see it coming. I didn't even know we were that serious at this point. So, no. you know, I hadn't even thought about marriage, let alone bothered him for years and years, every single day. Or made a nail appointment a month in advance. <laughs> no, I've been prepared for weeks. I didn't know exactly what was going on, but like, I've been prepared. Yeah. Also, not to make this completely about me, but uh, that nail color was 100% my doing it is a klein aliardi pick yeah very uh christmas colors right now i know <laughs> all right but back to um what the reason that we're talking <laughs> so we should probably get that started <laughs> because i don't want to screw up defining what an advanced practice provider is i was hoping you could maybe give a brief explanation of what you do. Sure, absolutely. So an advanced practice provider um, is actually an umbrella uh, terminology, and it can refer to quite a bit of um, healthcare providers who have pursued an advanced degree, um, all of which would hold a graduate degree in, in their field. Um, and additionally, we have specialty area training. So wherever kind of we end up, me, for instance, I work in pulmonary and critical care. So uh, my orientation and, and so on. That's kind of my home and, and where I live in, in the healthcare world to date. Um, so we can diagnose, uh, we can treat, and we can prescribe. We all we can also bill, um, bill for our services as well. And, um, you know, there are state regulations and governing bodies that differ a little bit uh, depending on, you know, where, where you work and uh, bylaws in the hospital. So I have a nursing background, so nursing is my root, and I am an advanced practice nurse, um, and I do hold a doctoral degree, so a doctorally prepared advanced practice nurse practitioner. <laughs> That's a lot of uh, a lot of words. And what made you want to get into this profession in the first place? That's a great question. Um, I'd say I was really influenced by healthcare um, at a very young age. I was very close to my grandfather, um, also, who was like you know, I call him like my angel, you know, he's no longer with us, but my angel on earth. And he just was something that was really special to me in my life. Um, generally his health was good, you know, throughout, you know, most, most of the duration of his living. Uh, but he did actually have an aneurysm, two aneurysms. And one of which he was saved emergently by, um, healthcare providers, you know, and he had a surgery to, to save his life. And unfortunately, you know, one later was actually what he had passed away from when, uh, it actually started to leak. And I saw that in end of life. And I was just really, um, you know, impressed overall by the experience of healthcare and what the capacity was to care, to give, um, to care for someone in such a vulnerable state. Uh, you make, you know, immediate relationships with people you just met. And it's such a unique and incredible um, work setting that really, I don't know that you're able to experience in, in any other field. And additionally, my sister is actually a physician assistant. Um, so she's one of those APPs uh, that, you know, under that umbrella term I had referred to. So I watched, you know, her, her journey through school 
um, her learning, her experiences, her rotations, and hearing about it. And I was really impressed by by that. So I guess that's where it kind of sparked my first interest to even get into the healthcare field and pursue this. Yeah, that's fantastic. No, it's um, making me feel like I don't do enough. In a day. I, <laughs> I like sit in my basement all day and do this. So this is great work. It's nice to connect and learn and, and you know, it's fantastic. Um, is there something that people would be surprised is a part of your job? A lot of what we do as advanced practice providers, you know, um, people are learning more about what that role is. And it was a term before, you know, they would say you're a mid-level and there's some stigma out there just with regard to use, using that term, you know, that you're middle of the road or you're like a mid-level provider. I um, can't but- imagine anything more frustrating than someone telling me that my whole profession that I'm so passionate about is a mid-level profession. So um, sometimes people say it in, in a, in a um, not a degrading way, but there is a lot of stigma around that. And because we are working as advanced practice providers to get the word out there and, and tell people, you know, what our education is, you know, what rigor we do go through in terms of, you know, getting where we are. Um, so I think just what people might not know or just, you know, all our capabilities and really what we can do and, and maybe the degree of our training and how we got to be where we are. Um, and I think that a lot of times too, there's people working in all different settings, you know, that you'll see us in outpatient, you'll see us in, um, in the ambulatory setting, which is outpatient, you'll see us inpatient in the hospital. But additionally, you can have leadership roles, you know, that advanced practice providers like myself have grown into leadership roles. And, you know, I'm connecting across organizations, um, you know, collaborating with a lot of high stakeholders in the system, operational decision-making, looking at metrics, um, looking at quality improvement, how we help our patients. And, you know, you might not be, or I may not be, I am directly at the bedside, but now my role is shifting and I have that um, administrative role as well. But working in tandem that you're still helping the patients, you know, just in a different way, you're giving a different insight from the bedside and using all of what you've learned and, and applying it, you know, from this administrative role. So, Do you have any patients, um, th- their stories that have stuck out to you? Yeah. I mean, I have so many that uh, have, I, I can t- remember to this day, like it was yesterday, I had experiences in nursing school, um, you know, even in clinicals that really just somebody stuck with me that you know, reminded me of like, this is what I'm meant to do. Most recently, I I recall, you know, a patient I I cared for um, during the pandemic, patient did not want the family visiting because they were so afraid, um, you know, just that the family may get sick. So they were, they were alone in the circumstance and it was very tough. So, but they, you know, they communicated to me that they really wanted a Dunkin' Donuts coffee and a donut. And I uh, went right out and made sure I got that. And I brought that back to them. And I remember just the smallest, you know, the smallest gesture and thing that made, you know, made the patient's day. Um, And before I left, I remember they said, like, thank you so much. I get emotional talking about that. Like, thank you so much and how much that meant to me. And they said, like, Danielle, always remember it. It really is the smallest things in life. Um, And I think that's like such a takeaway to for everybody, you know, that it really can be. So those small things can get you through and like holding on to those, those moments where you connect and that keeps you going, like remembering that, remembering how I felt and how much of a difference um, you can make for somebody's life. And that's so powerful. And I think it's so unique to healthcare um, and to what we do that 
it's can it's a tough job like it is a very tough job and but I think that you know it is so amazing to have the opportunity to really impact people's lives um and that's what keeps me going so well that's amazing. thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to onboard a nurse because the idea that you go from there's someone next to me helping, not helping me, but, you know, watching me do these life-saving things to, oh, just kidding, today we're doing this on our own, sounds terrifying to me. Yeah. yeah, it's certainly a process, you know, and I think that we have a lot of novice um, or newer graduate nurses in the organization, you know, and actually just across healthcare as a whole um, and it's incredibly important to make sure you're vesting in their orientation, both for that that specific nurse, for the organization, and for the safety of the patients. You know, so um, you want to make sure that you're putting them with a preceptor who is engaged. You know, someone seasoned, someone that you want to make sure they feel safe with, that they can ask questions. You know, that they can support their learning day to day, and make sure that this this nurse that's new is getting the essentials. You know, making sure that they're retaining those skills, because you certainly learn a lot in school. You know, you certainly learn a lot in clinical, but you know, there are just some things that really can't be taught, you know, or you have to learn on the job. And that is a big learning curve, actually, when you come um, to healthcare and in any position, there's just things that you haven't experienced, you know, difficult conversations with patients or just, you know, acute changes that you weren't expecting or so forth. Knowing what they don't know is a huge takeaway. We always like to say, like, knowing what you don't know, you know, so you don't overassume or be overconfident in areas where, you know, that could be dangerous. So that's a big takeaway as well. And it's really a lot of, you know, rigor in terms of the orientation. And they really try to set it up where you're, you're with someone for, you know, a certain amount of weeks. Um, you might do some different, you know, day shift rotation, night shift rotation. So you kind of see the ins and outs and um, get a lot of exposure and experience with that. A lot of training classes that they'll attend, you know, online learning, but also like simulations um, as well to help support their, their learning too. So that's Are you still in the middle of a nursing shortage? I think the pandemic, you know, truthfully, it it really highlighted um, some things that were already happening or going on or some mm -hmm. issues that were already going on, you know. Also, I think, you know, we have, based on where we are in the timeline of things, right, we have a lot of seasoned, you know, nurses that are um, like our baby boomers and people retiring. And now you also have an influx of like newer grads or newer nurses coming in, but you might not have as many people to train them or, you know, so they're, they're coming in at this really challenging time. There's like this, um, kind of like an, experience, uh, gap time. And then on top of it, you know, patients are much sicker, you know, the complexity of care is, uh, is much more difficult. And then you have, you know, these newer nurses that are now coming in and they're being challenged to care for just much sicker patients. And all of that really adds to everything, you know, everything in terms of um, job satisfaction, keeping people here, um, wanting them to stay, you know, people feeling like, you know, they have the stamina to continue working. I don't think that there's one single thing you can do to just make it all better. But I do think that there are things to help, you know, and one of them is, you know, organizations really listening to the staff, listening to the providers 
and wanting to hear what it is they need. You know, why are they staying and also why are they leaving? So like stay interviews to figure out what keeps people here. Um, and then also like, why did they leave? Like what was going on and what are ways we can help as an organization to make this better? Because um, I also think, you know, there is only so much that you, that individuals can do to keep themselves from burning out. You know, and I think that my current organization is doing um, a good job with that. I think that they are, you know, it's not perfect. Again, there's still, there's still certainly things going on and, you know, you know, people will, um, if you ask them, you know, they might have a different opinion and you ask everyone individually, but I think as a whole, seeing like leadership, you know, looking to find ways to make this better, getting creative with staffing, you know, being more flexible, um, finding out, you know, because uh, finding out ways to help with wellness, you know, that it's not just, you know, go, go on and do mental health, you know, CBLs and things like that, like actually bringing wellness to the provider, like what can we do to actually bring it to you? Um, I actually joined a uh, temporary action group we're called of like to focus on wellness and it's a mix of advanced practice providers and um, some of our physicians and we're doing, uh, we sent out a survey to get some information. So some quantitative information is just ask some questions, but we're also going to do some focus groups. So meeting with the providers individual, you know, in a group, in a small intimate group and kind of really just opening the dialogue about it saying like, we care, we're here, we want to find this out, like, what can we do to help? What's bothering you? And all of those things. And I think the more information we get will then help us to, you know, help this situation. How did you get people to take that survey? Because I've sent out surveys before and no one touches them. <laughs> and you just get them back and there's no information. It's, uh, it's tough, you know, and I think also right now it's time when there is a lot of stress, uh, you know, to get people to do things, right? Like to get them engaged and motivated. It's a challenge, you know, but I think that trying to use your voice to kind of spread the word, you know, if you're dissatisfied or unhappy, you know, instead of just complaining it, about it to your peer or this and that, like say like, what can we actually do to make a difference? You know, use that frustration to push you to actually participate in the surveys or do different things like that to see if there's actually an avenue to make a change, you know, and have your voice heard. So a lot of it was word of mouth, like, hey, please do the survey. You know, this is what we're doing. And this is what it's based off of. We really do actually care. This is what we're trying to get information wise. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, you can, people across the country can do the same job and have it experienced very differently. What is it about Jefferson that not only made you want to go there in the first place, but has made you stick around as long as you have? Yeah, I think that, you know, Jefferson, uh, there was a lot of opportunity for growth at this organization. Um, I think that anywhere you're working, you want to make sure you align, you know, with that organization that you have the same, you know, values and, and mission statements and, and you really connect in that respect. And I feel like for myself personally, I've, I've aligned with with Jefferson in that in that way. Um, their mission, you know, is to improve lives. And that's something I'm extremely passionate about. You know, they value um, putting people first. That's absolutely something I align with. You know, there's there's people there that I've known for such a long time. That's been a big part of it too. Back when I was a secretary, you know, all the way till now, there's there's nurses that have worked there for for um, a long time that are seasoned. And when I see them at work, it always, you know, just makes me smile. They they always are introducing me, you know, remembering like, I remember when Danielle did this or when she worked. And um, it's so nice to have, you know, good people where you work. And I think that is certainly important to help with retention. Um, and, and for you, like, how was it trying to figure out how to balance 
you know, providing really good healthcare and also providing customer service because they're not necessarily always the same thing. That is true. Um, you know, it's not always the same, but I think in healthcare, it does really uh, blend a lot, you know, in what we're doing. Because in order to care, you know, for the patients, we have to really um, make sure they trust us. Trust is a huge foundation when you're coming in, when you're looking at the patient, making eye contact, caring, you know, asking them questions, getting to know them, you know, as a person and building that rapport, um, that patient, you know, in turn feels valued. I think it's really important as providers to also make sure you include the patient and remind them that we're a team, you know, you aren't just defined by your diagnosis, certainly isn't always sunshine and and roses. There's definitely challenges, you know, um, extremely difficult conversations. A lot of times you're seeing people, right, in their most vulnerable time, they're dealing with a lot of stress, everyone handles stress differently. So I think also, you know, being able to see through that. Um, And I think that's a part of healthcare that I'm always just incredibly Uh, taken back by is, you know, there is the medicine point of it, the physiology, all that, you know, part of it. But then there's this like qualitative aspect of it that you really don't always, you know, hear about or see or even learn. And you, it's a lot of that on the job learning, like we mentioned of how to navigate, like how to, how to, you know, help someone through a really tough time and they're having a bad day, you know, don't take it personally and kind of see through that. So I feel like uh, a big part of nursing um, that could deter a lot of people is the fact that you are going to lose patients. Like, it's just not, you know, it, it happens. That's part of the job. Um, That's not an easy thing to deal with. How do you handle that? And do you remember early on figuring out how to deal with that? It's a great, really great question. And I think it's certainly on the minds of people, you know, who'd be considering even going into this field or, or doing that. Um, we talk about, you know, how there's things you, you know, are taught in school. They do touch on, you know, some of the things in terms of how to handle stressful situations or face that. But again, a lot of it actually isn't until you're on the job where you're in these situations that you're realizing, you know, circumstances and, and, figuring out how to navigate, you know, this really tough situation. Um, And I think it is a part of, you know, the process of learning like what it is to be a nurse and being at the bedside and that relationship with the patient. Um, And it it can be, be tough. You know, I do still to today, remember my first, you know, code, the patient that coded, you know, had just had a relationship, you know, talking to this patient in the morning and then, you know, then, then they're, they're gone, you know, and it's very, it's very tough. Um, and I think that it's important for people to know, you know, the difference that you're making in the lives of these patients to remember your why, like, why did you even want to consider doing this? You know, that you're impacting care, you're impacting lives. Like you're such an, a, a key, you know, nurses are, are such a key in, in the healthcare, you know, APPs and all of them are key role in, um, patient care, patient outcomes, and what you can do and give back, you know, keep that with you, you know, to go through your journey. Um, and even though there are tough situations, I think it's important to lean into them. Sometimes people kind of, you know, turn off or just disassociate um, to cope, you know, but sometimes everyone copes differently. And I think it's important to kind of figure out what what works for you, you know, how do you cope? Um, how do you get through your day? 
but a lot of times people do kind of disassociate. And I think actually it's, it can help to lean in, in the moment, you know, if you're feeling really upset and you're feeling bothered, um, you know, to say, listen, this is something that's okay to feel. You have been in school a lot. Is that a correct statement? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I would say that is correct. Yeah. Many years of schooling for sure. Um, And you were in school while you were also working, right? And not like working your nine to five in your cubicle at the computer, like, like working in healthcare on the floor. How do you balance those two things that are happening at the exact same time and are very stressful, either one of those on their own to a person? For sure. It is, um, it, it's tough. You know, I looking back, I, I'm glad that I did what I did and how I did it. But in the moment, sometimes you're like, this is wild. You know, I'm, this is a lot of, a lot to handle. Um, I think that you have to kind of assess yourself as an individual. Like, is this something that I can do, I can handle, you know, I'm someone that really functions well with a lot on my plate. That's just kind of been what, what I am and who I am. Um, but I think that prioritizing is really important. Um, I also think it's very easy to overthink or think of all you have to do. And that can be very stressful. Um, and I find sometimes, you know, just saying, let's focus on today, you know, let's focus on today. What's on my agenda? What do I have to get done? You know, things like that and kind of setting yourself up in like smaller, shorter goals can help you get to that bigger, you know, vision. Um, when I was working full-time, you know, in the neuro ICU, it is, it's a tough, it's a tough setting. It's a, it's a high acuity environment. You know, you're, you're caring for patients. You can have an off day, you know, in healthcare. And I think that's another part of what kind of all this connects. Like, you can't just walk in and like, yeah, you know, I'm just not gonna, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. Like, I'm just, you know, gonna take it easy. Like, there's really not taking it easy. Like, you just can't do that because, you know, oftentimes then something of some sort will suffer, you know, or, um, and I think like that's, that's the toughest part. So you kind of have to just be like, well, I'm here. I'm gonna bring my all, you know, and bring my A game. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, no, but yes, thank you so much, honestly, for, mm-hmm for doing this and sharing those stories. Thanks to Danielle for joining us on this podcast. She's the kind of person that I strive to be where I'm like, oh, I'll follow up with people and like stay connected with them and reach out to them and stuff. And she actually did that after the podcast. Like we actually had uh, some email exchanges and she directed us to um, her Instagram page, which everyone should go follow. It's at DNT underscore V. DNP. Um, we'll post that somewhere because I just heard how many letters in that sound the same. Lots, lots of letters. Um, we'll put that in the, the description of the episode so that you can go check her out um, and follow along her story. And uh, make sure you tune in next time. We have new episodes of Millennials Looking for Mentors every other Wednesday. Plus, if you know someone you would like us to talk to, email us at mlfmpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.